Hello, foodie fans. Welcome to the Big Food Talk, produced by Tough Monkey Entertainment. I'm your host, Sal Conca. This show supports restaurants, chefs, and food pioneers with your help. Head to BigFoodTalk.com to make your donation today or check out our fun apparel line with proceeds going directly to participating restaurants. Special thanks to the Long Island Food Council, DineLI Facebook group, and Yelp Long Island for supporting this episode. Today I'm speaking with Benny, the owner of Nina's Deli and Catering, located in East Meadow, New York. He's a family man who's worked in gourmet Italian markets most of his life and decided to open up his own sandwich shop in 2008. He's as passionate about his food as he is his customers. Listen in as we discuss the shop's history and how he's operating as a grocery during today's difficult times. Well, Benny, welcome to the Big Food Talk. I'm so happy to have you here today. I'd love to know more about your business. When did Nina's open? Okay, so back in it was back in 2008. My dad had sold his store and I was, you know, college age and I wasn't going to go to school. I wanted to stay in the business. It was really him he had a business with him and his brothers and it was way too much for me to handle on my own and they were selling and they were all separating and they had had it for 25 years they grew up in manhattan uh working for balducci's and grace's marketplace that's my family that that since the early 1900s my great grand great great grandfather was a with a push cart selling fruits in Manhattan. That's how it all started. And from the push cart, it turned into the, then he'd start making with the produce crates, he turned into a little market. Then he'd start selling nuts. And then, you know, he'd make a little deal with the fish guy and he'd put some fish. Then he, you know, the little by little that from that little fruit stand became a storefront, a brick and mortar storefront. From that, he bought half a city block. And then the brothers and sisters, they opened up another place. One daughter, she opened up Grace's Market, which is a very famous. So they had Balducci's and Grace's Market. And my father and my uncles grew up in the business. Eventually, they moved out to Long Island. They had started families. And they said, you know what? We're always working for, you know, Aunt and Uncle Joe, Aunt Grace and Uncle Joe. We could do this on our own. You know, we started from on the bicycles delivering uh, groceries to managing cheese department, managing the meat department. We could do this on our own. So they started their own a uh, little store again the size of my store a little store because it was three brothers they had so much resources they had a lot of extra help where they could still have time off and still be able to have so much help in the store that they little by little they did the same thing they took a store next to them a store next to them until they became kind of like a uncle giuseppe's a little bit smaller uh but it had meat and produce and fish and grocery and everything and they did home delivery and this was on the north shore in roslyn and they you know did home deliveries to all the people over there that had like private chefs and stuff it was very what high was, end. what was the name of the shop some people may remember it uh it was called dorso's gourmet market so as i got older i was in my late teens i was really you know running a lot of the show over there with my dad and my uncles but when they decided to sell the downturn of the economy 2008 things had changed the neighborhood started to change a little bit and that was really at the time where like Whole Foods was getting big and even the supermarkets. I don't know if you remember back in the day, supermarkets were not like they were today. They didn't have the beautiful produce setups. They didn't have the olive bars. They didn't have, they were just really like for the masses. They weren't as gourmet as they are now. They adapted very much so. Yeah. So when that started to happen, then that niche market was a little getting, you know, they saw it. 
they saw the end for a big store with high overhead coming. So they sold at the right time. They got out. And I was like left in the dust where I was a young kid thinking I was going to take over this store, or at least take over my dad's position. And I wasn't really going, going to college. I didn't, you know, I didn't, nothing was really, I loved owning my own business. I loved running the business. So nothing was appealing to me. I wouldn't, wouldn't know what to go to school for except business, but I want, I love to work. I was working 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week. So I ended, I said, I was looking at taking up a job in Iberoni's. They were trying to give me 15, 20 hours a week. And I was telling the guy, I could run circles around these guys. I could run this whole department. And he's like, you're 20 years old. I'm like, believe me, I know I ran a store. I get, I know I'm 20, I, but I, I look 20, but I, I can, I'm like a 50 year old, 60 year old guy in my head. I know it. I, I know all the vendors I buy from everybody. I, I do big parties on the North shore. I says, I could, I'm telling you, I can run this department. That wasn't, what I was going to do was work for somebody. So I told my dad, I says, I'm going to find the smallest little spot with the cheapest little rent. And I'm going to open up something, a gourmet sandwich shop. And that's how it started. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that can relate to that, especially Italian families in this area. I mean, my grandfather came to this country when he was 14, you know, I have the company Big Blue's Onion Sauce. That's how we, you know, originally met, um, which I haven't even spoken about on this show at all. Um, it's not about that but but the the stories of the families and and how you guys grew up and how especially for italian families you know i can relate to that story so much and hearing you know the, with the push carts in the city and you know the same with my grandfather with the hot dogs and the onions and you know all that type of stuff so i normally i usually ask people where does their passion for food come but you explained it explicitly so yeah. we know exactly where your passion for food comes from uh my next question though is who is nina why nina's deli well that was uh, I, I missed that in the story so nina is my grandmother and uh it's, and she when they first started their store she was the chef when the uncle because that's you know his brothers they're all uh she was making her sunday sauce and making her focaccia and making all the italian specialties and she, like she was there every day in an apron making in that little on a little stove in the little store that he started because like i said it was first a little very small store with the three brothers and um that's nina and i learned everything you know it's really been a generational thing because my my mother had learned everything from her she started making it nina passed um of uh, breast cancer and i always wanted you know when i had started i told my dad i said i want to you know make the, it it started with you guys and my grandmother, I, you know, Nonna Nina, we say Nonna. Uh -huh. I wanted to continue the same way. I, you know, I want that name. Nina is, you know, I want that to be part of the business. And my mother learned everything from her. And now my mother, you know, she uh, she's has her hands in a lot of it. But she taught my my wife, who was then when I first opened the business, me and my wife, Megan, she we opened it together she learned everything from her and now it's like my wife can run circles around my mom my mom asks megan for advice does this taste right does it because she's gotten so much into doing it that like yeah. she they work together until eventually my my wife learned everything so uh, this young irish girl that started the business with me is now like can cook better than any italian 
that's a beautiful amazing. thing though that's the traditions yeah. and that's the stuff and how it gets passed down and, and now like my even my daughters i have two daughters they're learning from my mother and uh from my mother and from my wife but now my daughter for easter wanted to make the pizza rustica you know make focaccia for easter so it's like it just keeps we want to keep it going we don't want those old things to die the sunday sauce and all that Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're speaking my language. The the Easter breads. I mean, unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of that this year. I did get takeout uh, from a, a, a restaurant locally here for Easter dinner. We had spiral ham and some other great trimmings, but I was missing that pizza rustica. I was missing the other stuff that I just, yeah. I couldn't get it this year and I didn't make it on my own. You know, just, it's it's different now, right? We haven't, I'm not going out oh, getting the same supplies my mom from home. Is, my, but my mom was in tears heartbroken that she couldn't make the pizza rustica this year for the customers i had people on facebook messaging me is your mother making the pizza rustica you're making the pizza rustica unfortunately she's not at the store at all because just for the safety you know we don't want to take you know even though we have we're on lockdown we you know you don't want to take any chances all the horror stories you see you know she's healthy she's you know in her 60s very healthy we don't want anything to happen to her so we her and my father are home safe and you know i'm on, my, on the phone every day with my with my dad you know my mom but we want to make sure that there's home safe so she was just so heartbroken that she couldn't make it this year because she knows that people wait all year we even started making it for christmas because people wanted it so bad they'd be like you can't make that it says well listen we can make it it's not that we can't make it it's an Easter tradition, but people love it because it's a great antipasta item. So, yeah. And so in my family, we have a lot of those traditions around the old Italian recipes. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of the aunts and the uncles that made that stuff, they've passed and they haven't passed down some of those recipes. Some of those are just lost now. I've tried to yeah. take over a lot of the traditional recipes and cooking as best as I can. But, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard. I, there's a website that I actually use. Uh, it's called Cooking with Nona. She has mm -hmm. a great website and Rosella Rago, she has Cooking with Nona, all the traditional Italian stuff. So I trust her recipes implicitly. Uh, yeah. She, you know, so, you know, if you don't have a Benny Especially at if home. If you came from the same regions of Italy, you know that, you know, they may have tweaked it here or there, but. My family is big on St. Joseph's Day. And when this all happened, the first weekend, we, we all missed our St. Joseph's Day. A hundred of us gather up in upstate New York in uh, Pleasantville. I'm sorry, Spring, I don't know, Spring Valley or Pleasantville, one of those up, up in New York. So I ended up for the first time, I learned how to make St. Joseph's at home. I made homemade St. Oh, Joseph yeah. this year. So yeah, you, see, this year, because normally we have them out. We have the Zeppelis and the, but uh, we didn't even end up buying them this year because it was like all of a sudden it went from zero to 60 so fast, right? I mean, at the end of February, beginning of March, everybody was like, ah, people are, you know, ah, they're going crazy. And then all of a sudden it was like, whoa, something's really going on. Yeah, this is for real. This yeah, is for this real. It's really happening. Yeah. So 2008, you decide to open up this sandwich shop. Who develops the menu? How do you coming up with the sandwiches? Every Long Island restaurant too, got to have a bacon, egg and cheese. I mean, how many bacon, egg and cheeses are you moving a week? The breakfast is very traditional New York, you know, your deli iced tea, your bacon, egg and cheese, sausage, egg and cheese, ham, egg and cheese. Very traditional. I mean, that's a no brainer. Um, I wanted to throw in there, actually, in the beginning, it was very simple. As I had, you know, because I was a young guy at the time, I was only 22, and I had guys that were like college age and high school who were coming in for jobs. 
And they were telling me, oh, you got to do like a buffalo breakfast. You got to do like a hot and spicy wake up. Some people want like egg whites with buffalo chicken. And oh, so then we changed the menu together because originally I had had a very basic menu. Oh, you should do French toast. You should do sandwiches on French toast. Um, and they were giving me a different idea. So then I would really, I, I was very open to ideas from my, my you know, because I came from a gourmet and actually, we're kind of going backwards here because we became, right now, we're doing a lot of green grocery and home picking, home shopping, which we never did over the years. We're doing it now because people are stuck at home. But I didn't really come from a deli deli type of atmosphere. So I had to go based on people who were working and went to delis and they knew the the kind of things that that the people wanted and that they bought every day. I worked in a deli, so I didn't, I didn't really, I mean, I worked in a food store, so I wasn't going to a deli every morning. So I didn't know, I wasn't really too familiar with what the biggest things were, what the people were looking for. So they knew even better than me. And I was, I took a lot from their input that I made a Dominic, which was my, uh, you know, my dad's a big guy. So I called it the Dominic and it was just like a fully loaded hero with potatoes and eggs and all, all the meats and extra cheese. So that was like my, I guess someplace called a lumberjack or something like that. So that was our big Dominic hero. And Basically, you know, just the staple items. That was the breakfast. The lunch sandwiches, uh, you know, I just put together my favorites. I know I know you have a big burger menu. I was looking at the burger menu, and that seems to be a staple that you guys have. How many different varieties of burgers do you guys serve up right now? There's like 10 different burgers, and that was even a, that was even maybe a couple of years later into it when I wanted, uh, you know, I started seeing that all these, um, I guess they were calling it fast casual. They were calling it uh, burger spots were popping up. And you know, you like I said, it's in this business, it's adapt or die. So you gotta like, you gotta change and you gotta adapt and you gotta see what the people are wanting. So I started saying, you know, I could make different kinds of burgers by, you know, cross merchandising my menu. So basically what I did was I took the original lunch menu and then just morphed into a burger menu where like if I had a, a steak sandwich, I did a burger with steak gravy and cheese on top. If I had like a, uh, like a gen like an Italian sandwich, I made an Italian burger with Genoa salami on top with melted provolone. Uh, one of my favorites, which is not really a big seller, but it's really my favorite. It's a Caesar salad burger. It was a burger with like, uh, Caesar dressing and and um, romaine lettuce on a garlic roll. It really makes you feel like you're at a steakhouse eating steak with a Caesar salad on the side. And that that was one of my favorites. But you know, we just talk amongst the guys, me and my wife, and just spitball and make things up. And you try things, and you know, all Italian food. You know, you come up with these ideas. They all everything tastes good. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's the beauty of food, right? It's it's an art form and you can experiment and improvise and really come up with new ideas all the time. I noticed that along with the burgers, you have a loaded fries menu. So like, you know, I was looking at that and I'm going, oh man, this is great. Cause like people just, it's, you know, most places you go for lunch, it's just a bag of fries, sack of fries, whatever it is. So you guys are doing loaded fries. That's like, I've got to be a meal in itself or does that come with the burgers? Well, no, that's kind of like a meal in itself. So people opt for either or. There are people who, you know, it's uh, you know, it's their cheat day. They'll they'll go a little nuts. But um, yeah, loaded fries. It's basically like uh, paying homage to like the poutine uh, type thing with uh, the cheese and gravy, but just with like a different twist. Again, the same thing. I I took like my original menu of sandwiches and morphed it into how can I make these sandwiches work as fries? So like a, if you've had like a Reuben, we have Reuben fries. So we have shredded pastrami on top of fries with melted Swiss and like a thousand island. 
uh, you know, we have uh, steak and onions and peppers on top of fries. So like a Philly cheesesteak on top of fries, so, uh, an Italian. So we have like general salami, pepperoni, melted mozzarella on top of the fries. So like we basically took our menu and morphed it into how can we have these sandwiches, but as fries. Yeah, that sounds, you're making me hungry right now. That's all I got to say. I mean, I know it's, it's nearing five o'clock. My wife's going to want to eat dinner soon. And, you know, so I'm getting hungry over here. But uh, one of the big things you said is your Italian hero. Can you tell me about what, what, what makes the perfect Italian hero for you? Because you've been in this business forever. So the real Italian hero in the menu is the Bronx combo. So that we have an Italian hero, but that, that I like to call that the American Italian hero, which you'll find at any deli, which is just ham. And I give it a little twist because some places just give you ham. I give ham cabagol, uh, pepperoni and general salami, roasted peppers, lettuce, uh, red wine vinegar and olive oil or balsamic vinaigrette with fresh mozzarella or provolone. That's the American Italian. But my Italian is the, is the Bronx combo because that's hotter sweet soppressata, real capogolo, not ham capogolo, real capogolo, and, um, and, uh, and prosciutto with roasted peppers or sun-dried tomatoes, fresh mozzarella or provolone with, um, and, uh, with the balsamic vinaigrette. Because that's more like a, that's like a Bronx, you know, that's what you're going to get on Arthur Avenue. That's the real deal. That's like where, you know, what we, we grew up eating. When people, we'd go to school and people had PB&J and I had Super Sai, you know. <laughs> every, that's, every year after Super Bowl, when my mom would pack my lunch, she would I always, always have the leftover Italian hero to go to lunch the next day. And it was always loaded with town coconuts and everybody would be looking at me like, what is that thing? That's not a, you know, that's not an Italian sub or that's not, I said, no, like, I, what do you mean? I said, it's the prosciutto, it's the gabagol, it's the, you know, everything. Yeah. I go, I got, these are the real coconuts. I don't do no pepperoni or the other stuff. <laughs> exactly. You got to give it to the people because that's what they're, you know, born and bred to, that that's what they eat. But, you know, if I'm going to have an Italian here, it's the Bronx combo. And even when customers come in, they go, oh, you got an Italian hero? I always educate them. I tell them, I say, I got, I got the regular Italian hero, which everyone knows. And then we got the Bronx combo. So you decide what you like. Yep, that's my style. I like it. I'm gonna have to come get me one of those. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll try some big lose on one of those Italian heroes too. See how it goes. Um, so now that all this has happened, uh, you know, but even before this, running any business and doing things like this, did you have hurdles in the business over the last ten years? Like, what was the biggest hurdle you had to overcome in running this business in the last ten years before all this happened? Well, I think that business is hurdles every day. I think that there's, you know, there's, there's definitely the big hurdles, but I think every day is a hurdle when it comes to owning your own business because you're putting fires out every day. There's always a situation. There's always something you have to do. You know, running a business is, is definitely a hurdle in itself. But I would say the biggest things were when we moved, we moved from the smaller store to the biggest store was the biggest thing because we had gotten to a point back, I think it was 2013, where my lease was just finishing up at the, at the store and it was either renew, renew or whatever was going on. And we had already grown out of it. We had, if I tell you, literally a little kitchen stove, a panini press, and the smallest griddle you can buy. Because I was a young kid, I was, you know, 22 years old. I didn't even know what was going to come of it. And my parents were even a little reluctant. They were like, I don't know, you know, you're getting, this is bigger than getting married. You're signing a lease, you're starting a business, you know, you, you, something happens, then what, you know, you're investing all the, all the money you have saved and, you know, you're taking this chance. I said, it doesn't, I said, listen, if I'm going to make money, I'm going to make it for myself, not for somebody else. 
that was the biggest thing was as we grew out of that store, we were so confined, little kitchen refrigerator, little kitchen stove, little tiny griddle, and it was getting really, really hard. And the store was only 600 square feet. So at that time, there was a little restaurant that was empty, came available, happened to be, uh, my, my father had known the landlord because uh, the family owned the pharmacy that was next door. And um, it was much bigger than that. It was 1,100 square feet, had a huge kitchen ready to go with everything, a six burner stove, oven, fryer later. It was really set up for what we needed at the time. Yeah. And I think what people are going to hear from you is just the passion you have for your business and how much you put into your heart and soul. It's your, it's your baby, right? I mean, you got yeah, kids, really you, you got kids, but your business is your first baby. actually. Yeah, my so, first kid. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I get that and understand it completely. So now that all this has happened, you know, with uh, the, the chaos that we're going through now, how is, how has business changed? What's different for you now? We, again, like, I feel like, I, I got to give a lot of credit to my wife, a lot of credit to my help. My, my, the few people I have with me have been unbelievably amazing. I've been, you know, taking extra care of them every week and they be being that we're also socially distant. They've become really like family. I mean, they always were, but now they're the only people I see besides my kids and my wife. So we, you know, we become very close, but it's we've had to change the entire operation we've become more of a home delivery service where we're or a curbside service where we brought in a ton of fresh produce and i have never handled a piece of fresh produce other than fruit salad for the summertime so now we're selling apples pears um plums we've got avocados cucumbers we made an entire we changed we put tables folding tables of an entire produce department out of nothing we decided to start this entire produce department my beverage case underneath we've turned into entire produce refrigerator for night storage and you know we're doing home we're trying to carry as much as we can to keep people from having to go to the supermarket and keeping them distant you know we have we're on total lockdown which is a total which is a whole nother ball game we're trying to and, you know, we tell everybody it's a learning experience. We're trying to learn how to keep us safe because, you know, we, we go down, the ship goes down. So we're trying to, we're gloved up, masked up, the door is locked. We limit every contact. Everything's on credit card, which is another thing. No cash payments, home delivery. Even we take gratuities over the phone because we don't, the driver just does a phone call and drop at the doorstep. We're trying to limit everything to keep, also to please the customers, to know that they feel safe with everything. and. Um, it's just a totally different business. I have to tell you, Sal, it's like going from opening up a whole new business. Yeah. I mean, all the, we, I feel bad because sometimes I feel like I'm alienating my old, my other, my customers, my older customers that I didn't have because I'm getting a lot of new customers because when people call in for a bacon, egg and cheese and sometimes, or just some lunch sandwiches and it's like, you you want to please everybody. Sometimes when you try to please everybody, you don't please anybody at all. So. You're trying to do what you're adapting into. And at the same time, a wrench in the gears, all of a sudden someone has a few sam uh, breakfast sandwiches and you, f you feel bad to say it might be like an hour because we have people picking and packing produce that we never did before, you know, and cutting pounds of cold cuts that we never really did before. So I get we have it. our cold cut packs. We're doing all the cold cuts. So that's changed a lot. Again, the profit margin is much different. So we have to learn to adapt to that because we're not getting pallets of strawberries. So the profit margin. So even though it feels like we're, we are much busier when you used to be a sandwich shop, the profit margins and only people in business will understand this, or, but at least I can educate. 
least I could educate them when the profit margin of a sandwich shop compared to the profit margin of a produce shop and a cold cut shop are two totally different things. You need to do big volume to make the same profits as you would selling fruit and vegetables and cold cuts than you would need to just sell prepared entrees and sandwiches. And you can't do both. It's very hard to do both, especially with limited staff and limited hours. So we're just trying to make it work every day is it's like uh Organized insanity is sometimes <laughs> I like to say, but uh, yeah, I that completely. Doing, I can doing the best we can, but uh, the donation fund has been really great too. Um, that's been really been helping us out, and we, you know, we don't want to exhaust all our efforts. We've been doing as much as we can, trying to match and uh, you know match whatever is being donated as far as price wise and keeping the cost down. But uh, it's just, Absolutely. that's very fulfilling, just this, what we're doing for the hospitals and the first responders, that just makes it all worth it because of the, you know, all the praise we're getting. And, you know, it brings it, like I said, it brings us to tears because yeah, people make you feel so good right now. All of a sudden, it's like people are giving you so much, they make you feel so good, make you feel important. Just knowing that you're an essential person when you know there's no NBA stars, there's no 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 uh, superstars out there anymore. We're the superstars. The people in the hospitals are the superstars. The first responders are the superstars. We're the ones that are keeping the world safe. Yeah. You know, and then uh, really not to say we we more so the scientists and the and the nurses and the doctors. But yeah, absolutely. I think I think you know for people they all realize that we're gonna go back. We we talked about it before the interview started even, but like going back and how much humility everybody has and going back to a simpler time almost. I think that's oh, yeah, you know, part of, so, so you are going to appreciate the people that can deliver the groceries and give you the produce and, you know, and, and I've seen, you know, as much as we rely on things like Amazon and delivery services and all this other stuff, you know, we also have these, this time where, you know, we were getting back to the farmer's markets in the communities and building up our main streets. And I think after this, that's only just going to continue. We're going to realize how important our main street businesses are, our small businesses like yours and the local restaurants and local shops. And, and that's really going to be, um, I think, a big difference coming out of all this. It's not just how important it's, you know, how nice it is to have those relationships. You know, the relationships I had before this with my customers, I knew everybody by name. I was with the schools, I was at the functions, and I went there myself. I knew people, I, I, I was always, I had customers who would send me jokes, and every day we'd have, I had, you know, one guy, I haven't seen him in so long, it was an old timer, he's in his 80s, I, I don't even know how else to reach out to him, I think I'm going to try to shoot him an email. We would tell each other jokes every day. He would wait when I'm up busy on a Saturday making eggs. He would wait just because he had to tell me a joke. Like those relationships, you cannot get those from the big stores. Although they, you know, they try through their marketing commercials to have those same. It's not going to be the same when you have people who have kids in the same school, who are at the same parks as you. They're, 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 I've seen customers at the same bounce places and kid places. I've seen customers with their little kids and my little kids you know, those things are not the same. So just Absolutely. the fact taking care of small businesses means more of a community. And actually what you said about olden times, I heard that they might start with the drive-in movies again. Uh, that would be beautiful. Talking about doing drive-in movies because, you know, at least we could all keep socially distanced, bring the snacks, be in our cars and watch a projected movie. I think that would be awesome. My kids would love that. I'm absolutely down for drive-in movies. I mean, I think it's a generational thing too, where people, they get to a certain age and they yearn for 
what was in the past and things like that. But, uh, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your entire story with us, Benny. Uh, you're a great guy and I, I'm glad I get to get, spend this time with you and hear from you and, and learn about your business more. And, um, what I'd like to know is, you know, what's the best way for people to connect with you now and how can they find you? What, what's the best way to, to work with you these days? I mean, uh, basically just call in. We have, uh, we have people who are ready to virtually shop the store with you. They'll tell you every item we carry. They'll go over with you what your shopping list is. We try to bring in anything like now we're starting to bring in, you know, we brought in paper goods. So that's the, one of the best ways to reach out and call. That's really a direct way. Uh, we have the fun that we're doing, um, you know, the Heroes for Heroes. So if anybody wants to donate to that, um, we have that up on Facebook uh, through Venmo and PayPal. And uh, that way we could just keep it rolling because we're like booked this week. We start every, you know, at the end of every week on Saturdays, we start booking for the next week. What I do is I reach out to the local community and I say, give me your nominations, private message me and give me your nominations through my name, Benny Diaspara. Um, because it's hard to do anything with your business name through Facebook because it's kind of like a different link. So I use my own name. Plus, I know a lot of the people. Um, like I said, I'm, you know, I'm in the community. I'm here. I live here. And um, so I went to East Mill High School. I went to all the schools, so I know a lot of the people. But, um, yeah, they could reach out to me, private message me any way they want to donate or get involved or reach out if you need catering if you have a specific place you want to send your own stuff to privately with your own card we're doing everything we can you know we're going to just keep it going as much as we can awesome benny thank you so much for your hard work i hope you i, I wish you nothing but success in the future and uh i can't wait to continue our relationship and and see how you're doing as as all this changes and we get back to the new normal thank you so much reach out to me anything you need take care you got it ciao Thanks for tuning in to The Big Food Talk, produced by Tough Monkey Entertainment. Subscribe on iTunes and wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram for behind-the-scenes takes or watch complete episodes on YouTube. Don't forget to make a donation at BigFoodTalk.com.